The draft is officially done and dusted. After three whole days of drafting, the Dockers have brought in seven young guns, which we'll discuss later in the podcast. And I go through the season that was 2022, as I say goodbye to what will be the final episode for this year. I am your host, Deegan Duckworth, and this is the Big Deegs Podcast. G'day ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 23 of the Big Deeks Podcast. As I said, this will unfortunately be the final episode of this year. Don't worry, I will be back in 2023 for even bigger and better content coming your way. But as for 2022, this will be the final episode. There's obviously a few factors as to why this is. Number one being that I'm nearly finished school, and I really, really want to start enjoying the school holidays. The other part is that there's just no content anymore, considering, for me, this is the true part of the off-season. Like, even after Fremantle were eliminated and the grand final was done and dusted, you still had the trade period and the draft to look forward to, but now that those two have been done, as of Wednesday, there's now nothing AFL-related to look forward to other than the start of next year. And speaking of the draft, let's get to that now. The Dockers had a uh, quite unpredictable draft, to say the least. And I have been made very, very aware of just how wrong my predictions were. But that's the point of predictions. It's a lot of guesswork, and I'm not going to get everything right. The players Freo were going to take in this year's draft were certainly a lot more interesting, to say the least, since in the last couple of years, we've had a really strong idea of who Fremantle were going to draft. Compare it to last year, the number one obvious answer was Jai Amos, then shortly followed by O'Neill Erasmus, the best WA midfielder. But then, obviously, with our first pick in this year's draft being so far down, it was always going to be intriguing to see who Fremantle would take with that pick. I seriously had no idea what type of player Fremantle were going to draft until David Walls, the list manager, said a few days before the draft that they were going to pick the best available key defender. Now, if you've listened to my draft predictions, I obviously picked Tom McCallum, who would later go down to be drafted to Port Adelaide. My thought process was that David Walls was being very illiteral and that Freo would literally take the best available key defender, but I was wrong. But instead, they ended up selecting Hugh Davies, the second highest rated key defender in the Waffle Colts competition. He was rated elite for average disposals with 19, disposal efficiency at 80%, 9.3 contested possessions, roughly 5 marks per game, and 9 intercept possessions. His outstanding form at both levels was rewarded with selection in all four of WA's under-18 championship games and got better and better as the carnival went on. He has shown significant improvement over the past 12 months and impresses with his elite composure and decision-making. And I tell you what, I've never seen a bloke more happier to be selected by Freo. There's a photo that's going around on social media with uh, Davey standing next to Longmere surrounded by all of his mates who are wearing a Dockers kit. 
honestly, the selection makes perfect sense. David Walls stuck to his word when they said they were going to select the best available key defender. And, once again, local WA talent from Claremont, the same place that Nat Foff was selected from. Even though I'm absolutely wrapped for this kid, I don't think it's any surprise to think that we will most likely not be seeing any of these guys make their debuts soon. Outside of only one bloke who I'll get to in just a second, even though I'm really happy for these blokes, like I said, outside of one guy, I don't think they'll be making their AFL debut soon. 2023 will all just be about building their right body shape and getting experience through the waffle. But with that being said, I'm still wrapped about Hugh Davies, the next Tobe Watson, and the new Ginger Ninja. Fremantle's next pick in the draft was pick 41, and with that, we selected Tom Emmett. After an impressive start to the season in the reserves, Tom Emmett made his San NFL League debut for Sturt in round 6 and kept his place in the side for the rest of the season. Emmett showed sharp improvement as the season went on and was a constant threat in front of goal, kicking 15 goals in his last 7 games of the season. His 14-possession 3-goal performance in round 14 versus Adelaide against AFL-listed opponents earned him the San Anifel Breakthrough Player of the Round for that week. Emmett has missed a lot of footy due to injury and illness, but he hit the ground running in his first year in San Anifel program in 2020, averaging 2.4 goals a game in the under-18s and 2 goals a game at reserves level. Along with his ability to hit the scoreboard, he is a seriously powerful and physical forward who tackles with aggression. He is a very strong contest player both in the air and at ground level, and has shown significant resilience and determination in his football journey so far. Honestly, just reading that, it's easy to understand why Fremantle picked this bloke in the draft, despite him being a mature age player at 21. A consistent, medium-sized forward who was very consistent and who was good both in the air and at ground level. Fremantle's next selection was 42, and with that pick, they drafted Max Noble. We always knew that Fremantle were going to end up drafting a Ruckman, I thought it was going to be Jackson Broadbent just because I thought Freo were going to stick with local talent as they've done for the past couple of seasons. But they haven't. They've drafted a 206cm Ruckman from Gippsland Power. 2022 was Max Noble's first year in an elite pathway at NAB League level and he showed considerable improvement as the year progressed. At 206 centimeters, he's a great high and possesses significant upside as his body develops. His form from Gippsland in the NAB League was rewarded with selection as Vic Country's leading ruckman playing all four games in the Under-18 Championships. He has impressive ruck craft, jumps well, and is a neat left foot kick of the football. Noble has also shown scope to develop as a key forward at times this year, and he is also the son of Trent Noble, who played 75 AFL games across Brisbane, St Kilda, and the Richmond Football Club. Freo were always going to end up selecting a Ruckman on draft night. Even with Sean Darcy and Luke Jackson, we needed a bit of depth in that area considering Lloyd Meek left in the trade period. And Max Noble is a very impressive pickup, especially at 206 centimetres. To give you perspective on just how tall that is, he is the exact same height as Rory Lobb, who is also commonly regarded as one of the AFL's tallest players. Not the tallest, but one of the tallest. And it's funny that I mentioned Lobb because similar to the ways they play, Noble and Lobb are very similar players. Think about Lobb in his early years with GWS when he was playing mainly a Ruckman. That's how I would say Noble plays. 
mainly as an 80% of his time he spends in the ruck and 20% forward. But again, at that height, that is some serious potential from all the way down at pick 42. With Fremantle's last selection at the National Draft with pick 57, which shows Corey Wagner. Corey Wagner has been linked to Freo for a while now, and although I did think that was going to happen, I didn't think that would happen through the National Draft. I thought that would happen through the Rookie Draft, which is why he wasn't included in my draft predictions. But nonetheless, Fremantle have drafted a former AFL player, obviously having played at both North Melbourne and Melbourne. He's been at Port Melbourne in the AFL for the last two seasons, and has continued to improve, where he had an exceptional back end of 2022 season after moving to halfback. He impressed with his ability to defend first and generate offensively. He is creative with ball in hand, carries the footy, and changes angles well. Wagner has elite endurance, and this also allows him to be quite versatile, having also demonstrated the ability to play wing, half forward, and through the midfield. We then move on to the rookie draft, where Fremantle selected Liam Reedy. At 204 centimetres, this was Liam's second run in the VFL system, but 2020 was effectively his first real run at it, as his first year was impacted by COVID and shin splitters. Prior to 2021, Liam had been a basketballer and played local footy at East Bridgeton, mostly as a forward. Since moving into the VFL, he's gone from strength to strength. He was Frankston's number one ruckman this year, he averaged 92 points and 12 disposals. He kicked five goals in his last four games of the season, highlighting his improvement over the course of the year. He acquitted himself well when up against AFL-listed ruckmen like Invalon Soldo, Callum Coleman-Jones, Callum Sinclair and Matthew Flynn. At various stages throughout the season, Reedy demonstrated the ability to head up as a forward and finished well for goal. At 204 centimetres and 112 kilos, who's someone who is physically capable of being a backup ruckman immediately, but also has significant scope to develop his game further in an AFL environment. But before this, Fremantle were able to upgrade their NGA products to the Category B rookie list in Conrad Williams and Joshua Draper. Originally from Hales Creek... Conrad Williams moved to Perth to board at Hale at the start of year 10 and play football at Claremont. He is a lightning quick wingman who has played at times across halfback this year, especially at PSA level for Hale. Along with his speed, he is highly evasive, has a large vertical jump and kicks the ball well on both sides of his body. He averaged 17 disposals for Claremont in Waffle Colts and also represented WA at the Under-18 Championships. And on the other Category B rookie side, we have Joshua Draper. Draper's season was interrupted by an ankle injury, but he returned in time to be an important member in Peel's Colts' premiership winning side, gathering 13 disposals and kicking a goal in the win. Draper missed the whole under-18s championships this year through injury, but represented the state at under-17s last year. A versatile player, Draper's played in a number of positions, including as a key forward, ruck, and even as a midfielder. Arguably, his best game this year was his first game back from injury when he played as a key defender and gathered 14 disposals, 8 intercept possessions, 3 spoils in the win in round 20 against the Swan Districts. A freakish athlete for his size, Draper plays with impressive awareness and has a significant upside given he comes from a state-level basketball background. And with that being said, that covers all 7 players Fremantle taken in both the National and Rookie Draft this season. 
And it's time to move on to my favourite parts of the 2022 AFL season for the Fremantle Dockers. Honestly, I could go through the entire year. Like, really, in retrospect, I really didn't have a problem with Fremantle this season at all. And the whole season, in general, was just a massive W for Freo. But to narrow it down, I'm going to give you my top 10. So this is my top 10 favourite Freo moments from the 2022 AFL season. Coming in at number 10 has been the debut season of Nathan O'Driscoll. I know, I know, this isn't technically Nathan O'Driscoll's debut season since he joined Freo's list at the end of 2020, but shut up, let me have this. I don't think the most passionate O'Driscoll supporter in the world could have predicted the season O'Driscoll had. I mean, towards the opening couple of rounds, we heard that O'Driscoll was playing really good footy, and he was actually one of our biggest improvers during the preseason. In fact, Will Brody aside, Nathan O'Driscoll was probably the biggest improver during last year's preseason. So, going into his debut game as the Medi sub, there was a little bit of hope that O'Driscoll would perform to a decent level. I didn't even think he made it on the field until, what, the final nine minutes of the last quarter. But with his first kick, his first touch of the footy, he already managed to make himself a fan favourite. And from that moment, it just kept going and the insane goals just wouldn't stop. There was that 50 metre drop punt on the boundary line at Cadenia Park. There was the left foot drop punt against North Melbourne. And then when he came back after his nine week injury absence, there was that ripper he kicked against McRae on the run. That stoppage goal against GWS, and then the sealer in the elimination final. I seriously, at the start of the season, could have never seen Nathan O'Driscoll being in the best 22. But now, throughout the course of the season, he's he's become probably the starting winger. So let's just hope, as the seasons keep going, the goals O'Driscoll kicks just become crazier. Coming up next in my number ninth spot for my favourite moments of the 2022 season is the Derby domination. I think it was round three or four. I don't think many people would have this game here considering how good of other games and how much success we've achieved over the season. But for me, and especially living in a heavily West Coast town, state dominance is like everything over here. And anybody else that has gone to school in Western Australia that supports Freo can relate to that. So seeing the Dockers pump West Coast early in the year is exactly what I needed to kick things off. And once that happened, I think we won our next six games in a row. So yeah, it was pretty much the perfect win to start off 2022. And there's always going to be the argument of, oh, West Coast were a bad side, so you shouldn't be celebrating that much. But again, it's state pride. I could literally care less about where West Coast are on the ladder. Coming in at eighth spot, another underrated moment from the season, in my opinion. It's Michael Walter's 200th game in the last home and away game of the season against GWS. From memory, I think we were down by 34 points midway through the second quarter. And with the combined help of our best players, we were able to come back and win in the end. But it was Walter's performance that puts this game at number eight. His pressure around the footy was amazing and a great preview to what he'd do a week later in the final series including his three goals and the eventual sealer in the end. Ever since 2019 and when Justin Longmuir took over, Walters has had a pretty rough time with the Dockers, with many fans even questioning his retirement. But Walters continues to prove time and time again that he has been one of the best forwards our club has ever had. Moving on to number seven from my favourite moments of the 2022 season was Will Brody's breakout season. Yet again, another successful trade from the Gold Coast Suns. 
Will Brody proved he could not only just play in the best 22, but become one of our best midfielders. Will Brody went from playing five senior games at the Gold Coast Suns in 2021 to playing every single senior game for the Dockers in 2022. Will Brody was ranked 4th in total handballs, 15th in total tackles, ranked 9th in total contested possessions, ranked 8th in total disposals, and ranked 18th in tackles per game, proving to be arguably the best improved player throughout the 2022 season. Will Brody, for me this year, perfectly captured why Fremantle have become so good at these low-risk yet high-reward trades. Ever since Justin Longmuir came into the club, we've been taking players that have been top 10 selections from previous clubs and have let them fill their potential at our club. Think of James Aish in Blake Acres. Think of Jordan Clark, a fringe cat who was a first rounder. Think of Will Brody, a fringe Suns player. And hell, even this year with Jago O'Meara not living up to his potential yet. And even Josh Corbett, who of course isn't a first round selection. For me, Will Brody made the AFL public realise just how good Freo are at these small trades. And let's just hope that his impressive form continues into next year. My sixth favourite moment of the 2022 season was the debut of Jai Amos. The debut of Jai Amos was always going to be a key moment this year for Freo. And it came in our first Friday night game in six years against the bottom place North Melbourne team. Amos on that night joins the first kick versus goal club alongside Matthew Pavlich. And also, while I'm at it with Jai Amos and Matthew Pavlich, can we stop doing that comparison? Like, it's finally good to see fans believing in a promising key forward. But, I mean, every key forward that has been to the club over the last seven years has been compared to Pavlich in some way. Like, seriously, can we just settle down for a second and stop putting so much pressure on this young bloke? But going back to the moment itself, literally the only reason why I was looking forward to the Freo vs. North game was because of Giant Amos, right? Because we were always going to win that game. Sorry, North. But hearing the crowd going absolutely off anytime Amos went near the footy was just absolutely fantastic to see. And unfortunately, after that, it looked like he wasn't going to play again for the season after sustaining what was, I think it was a horrible kidney injury that he suffered. But nonetheless, in just his second game of footy, he would play in the elimination final against the Bulldogs, which I'll definitely get to later. But the future of Frio is certainly bright, and it's being led by guys like Jai Amos. Coming in at number five, it's not an on-field moment, it's an off-field moment. It's the rise of Flag Mantle. From all the way back in 2020 to even at the start of this year, the word Flag Mantle was nothing really more than an internet meme. I mean, it was really just more than a word that people would say after Furrow would win just to hype themselves up. But then everything changed when Will Schofield accurately predicted Furrow would win their next five games in a row by using the term flag mantle. And let me tell you that in the span of two weeks, it went from an internet meme to a household name. T-shirts, merchandise, banners, podcasts, wink wink, skyrocketed out of the water. And this isn't an exaggeration, but I swear the West Australians started using the word every single day in their papers from that point on. Especially considering the West Australian has been biased to West Coast for a number of years now, seeing them use the word flag mantle in practically every single sports article they would release became the true moment that I realised that Freo have become the successful WA team now. And you bet when that flag happens, the first thing I'm going to be doing is getting a flag mantle tattoo. 
Moving on to number four, and I have the Geelong win Academia Park. I tell you, looking back at this game now is sort of ironic, since during the week building up to that game, David King said that Fremantle wouldn't be able to apply their game plan since the ground was too narrow. But I reckon this game against Geelong was the most strategic-based game I think the Dockers played this year. Freo in the first quarter were absolutely belted by Geelong's key forwards. But from that point onwards, it was all Fremantle. Geelong had a good little run the last five minutes of the game to try and steal the win, but it was Frio's day. And the pure emotion you could clearly see from the players after that win showed just how much of a big deal this was to knock off the eventual premiers at their home ground, something else that no other team was able to do for the whole season. And the commentary could not have been any perfect from Mark Howard. Frio are the real deal. We have moved into the top three for my favourite for our moments of 2022, and we start with beating Melbourne's undefeated streak to start the season. I mean, really, what else can I say that hasn't already been said? I mean, the Geelong win put Freo on the map, but this win put Freo in genuine premiership contention. Like, that win pushed Freo into the top four, and many people started saying that Freo might actually finish in the top three. And the best thing about it is that it wasn't an individual performance that got us there. Like, if this was a few years back, it would have been Nat Fife carrying the side. But this was just a combined effort by everybody in the team. Frederick became probably the AFL's favourite player that night. Brayshaw continued his amazing form. Our defence was outstanding as always. And the other forwards, Collier, Schultz, Lobb, and even Logue, who we saw on the forward line this year, was very promising. But regardless, on the night, it was one of the most complete performances I've ever seen from this club. And I know that is becoming repetitive, but there's honestly no other way to put it. Moving on to number two, it's arguably the most clutch moment from the entire season, and it's the moment that kicked off the Dockers' successful 2022 season. It's Heath Chapman's spoil against the Adelaide Crows. I'm going to be truthful right now. I have never felt more anxious or nervous about the last 10 minutes of a football game than the first opening game of the season this year. And that may sound weird considering everything else that's happened throughout the course of the year, but I have never been more emotionally drained from watching a game of footy than this one. Like, I felt both mentally and physically drained after that game. Frio started the game really well, but by the third quarter, Adelaide had completely wrestled back momentum and taken the lead. And they were like 18 points in front of something in the last quarter. And I remember they constantly had set shots. I think they had like four set shots before we wrestled back the lead. And I just kept thinking that it was over. You know, Adelaide have had like three set shots in a row. They're going to get one and it's going to be game over. And then Frio go down the other end. And Swikowski goals. And all of a sudden, you know, it's 12 points. We still need one more for the game to be back on. But with less than nine minutes, the possibility is still there. Then, Lobb takes a mark right in front of the goal square. And all of a sudden, it's six points. Then, with just under three minutes and a half to go, a turnover gives an opportunity from Lockie Schultz, who lines up from outside the 50. And I swear to God, I've never seen the plumber kick a footy as long as that moment right there. The Dockers take the lead, and with three minutes to go, the game becomes a complete arm wrestle. Until a boundary thrown at the Adelaide Oval with 15 seconds left. 
The ball spills. Fogarty gets a handball to Keyes. Keyes with half a second gets a snap towards goal. It's trailing towards goal until Heath Bloody Chapman runs across the front of the goal line with a man hugging his left arm. He gets his right arm, spoils the ball back into play just before it crosses over the goal line. It falls to Cox. Cox gets the handball over the lob. Chapman, who comes back into the play, gets the handball from lob, clears the kick straight to Liam Henry and the siren sounds. I have never been more jaw-dropped watching a free game. Like, I can't remember the last time I had that feeling. It was just this pure mixture of emotions. I think I'd summarize it up to being just completely relieved. Because I seriously did not think we were winning that game. And then the way we did it as well, we quite literally won the game by like six inches. Don't get me wrong. I've seen a lot of goals after the siren to win games of footy in my lifetime. But I can't say I've seen a spoil win a game until now. Heath Chapman, hats off to you. The clutchest moment of 2022. But you know what's even better? That wasn't even number one. But before we get into that, I just want to give a quick honourable mention. I wouldn't say it's my favourite moment, because quite frankly, it's actually a really sad moment. But like, it would be really awkward if I don't at least mention it. But the honourable mention goes to David Mundy's final game. We lost a semi-final. It was the end of our season. We all knew it. But what I wasn't ready for was seeing David Mundy for the last time. And I tell you, as nearly a full-grown man at 17 years of age, I cried. No, not even that. I bowled my eyes out for a guy that who doesn't even know me playing his last game. That's how much David Mundy means to our club. He's one of the nicest guys that has ever played the game. And although his achievements don't really seem that impressive, the impact he has made at this football club is undeniable. And I tell you, that number 16 will never be the same again. But with all of that being said, let's get to number one. My number one favourite moment from the 2022 AFL season for the Dockers is the elimination final against the Western Bulldogs. I mean, in a season that had a lot of really, really good free moments, this was the best free moment by far. And that is saying a lot. We conceded the first six goals of the game, and halfway through the second quarter, we were down by 42 points. All I could do is sit there and think, the one night Frio couldn't get dominated, the one night we couldn't let a team absolutely smash us, was our first finals game in seven years. That was a textbook certified Fremantle moment right there. But then... At some stage, halfway through the second quarter, everyone single-handedly realised, wait a minute, this is the Flagmantle Football Club, not the Fremantle Football Club. And then all of a sudden, it's half-time, and the margin's just 15 points. The second half begins, the Dogs do kick the first goal, but then Freo kick the next three, bringing the margin to just four points. The fourth quarter is underway, and in the first three minutes, there's a huge scrap going on between the interchange bench. The throwing's ball back into the stoppage. Freo win the clearance. Hayden Young sends an absolute beauty to the chest of Jai Amos, who levels the scores at 53. Logue then gets a lucky 50-meter penalty and puts the Dockers in front for the first time that game. And then the one and only Michael Frederick proceeds to probably lay the best tackle the whole season. 
Ed Richards gets a lucky shepherd, and all of a sudden, he's got all the time in the world that he could possibly want at fullback. But then, at the literal last second, Frederick comes from absolutely nowhere, gets a finger to his back, the ball spills to Walters, and Walters puts the Dockers two goals clear. Ronk Smith, at the other end, then takes Mark of the Night to give the Dogs a chance. But then, Nathan O'Driscoll, in the most Nathan O'Driscoll way, kicks another clutch goal to seal the win for Freo. And then when that siren sounded, I'm going to be dead honest, the last time I felt that happy as a Freo fan was the 2013 prelim final. You, as an AFL fan, not just a Freo fan, but for a fan of the sport entirely, live for nights like those. Your back's against the wall, everyone thinks you're down and out for the count, but then you somehow in some way, find a way to win anyway. Nice bit of poetry right there, not going to lie. But man, I tell you, that Frederick tackle, that'll be up there with the Stephen Hill qualifying goal against Geelong. I'm completely serious. That's how big of a moment that was. But with that being said, that was my favourite moment of the 2022 AFL season for the Dockers. Okay, that's the best question you can come up with after two hours of footy. You're quite brilliant, Shane. Yeah, terrific. We'll end this episode with the final You're Quite Brilliant for this year. First question from It's Redstones. How many games do you see the new recruits playing in 2023? Like I said early in the episode, the only docker from the draft I could really see playing a handful of games is Corey Wagner. Obviously, he has previous AFL experience from both North Melbourne and the Melbourne Demons. And I tell you what, looking at his photos, his biceps, bro. Bro, he's giving Nat Fife a run for his money. My God. Our next question is actually about when will Hugh Davies debut by Bodie Dederick 11s. But unless our defense is heavily plagued by injuries in 2023, I can't really see Hugh Davies playing a game next year. This goes for Hugh Davies and basically everyone else we've drafted outside of Corey Wagner, but I think they'll mostly be playing in the waffle with Pill Thunder next year. I think the next player in line that could potentially play a game would be Tom Emmett, considering he is a mature age recruit, and he has been playing pretty good footy at waffle for Perth. But again, outside of Corey Wagner and maybe Tom Emmett, I can't really see anyone else who we've drafted playing a game next year, unfortunately. Next question is from Cena Maddens, and this one's very specific. Do you reckon Freo will come to Tassie in 2023 at Utah's and versus Hawthorne? Freo do play at least one game in Tasmania every two years. We had the one against Hawthorne in 2019 when Nat Fife went absolute god mode for no reason. Obviously, we couldn't do it in 2020 because of COVID. We played Hawthorne again in 2021 where we smashed them. Obviously, we didn't play them there this year, so it only makes sense that we play Hawthorne in Tasmania next year. So, I would I would say yes, actually. I think the potential of us playing in Tasmania is highly likely, considering we didn't do this year. Next question comes from Ethan Willikins. How many BS, to put it lightly, Sunday Arvo games will the Bias AFL give us? Honestly, the Sunday Arvo games don't bother me as much as other fans. Clearly because I'm not the type of person to care about what time we play as long as we play. But I will say this. I am praying that either in round three or four, depending on where the dates work, I think round three would be preferable. I am hoping 
that Freo play a home Sunday game. Because I don't want I don't want to give anything away just yet. But in round three, if Freo play a Sunday Arvo game, I could potentially meet a Freo player. Now, obviously, I don't want to reveal who or where until it actually does happen, if it does. But I'll just say this. If this does go down and I end up meeting this specific Freo player, get ready. Because let me tell you, you guys are not ready about what's going to happen. Next question from Kizzy Kyans. Freo's ceiling next year. Well, to be fair, there's only really one ceiling that we have this year, and that's being premiership favourites. I do think our team and our list has the potential to be an AFL premiership contender, but not the main number one favourite. I still think sides like Geelong, especially Brisbane, and maybe even Sydney are still just too strong, Melbourne included. But I think those four teams I've just mentioned are just better in raw talent and also have way more experience as being a genuine premiership contender. But who knows? That's the great thing about footy. We never know. But if I were to rank Freo based off their premiership status now, I'd have them 6th or 7th. Next question from Josh Keggs. Bit of an ask, but give us your thoughts on Freo all round for the year. Anything you think of. Uh... Listen to the episode again? I mean, that's that's literally the best response I've got. So, uh, yeah, sorry, Josh, mate. Next question from Comroy Pedros. Guernsey changes for next year. I can't tell from this question alone whether she's referring to design or the numbers, but I'll just answer both. In terms of pure design, I know Alex Pierce is designing next year's Indigenous Jumper, Bank West are the new sponsors of Freo. Apparently, they're replacing Programmed. Even though I've seen Programmed on newly released Freo jerseys countless times, I honestly can't fully say whether Programmed are with Freo or not, considering, like I just said, I'm still singing them on the jumper. Woodside, I think they'll still be with us until the end of the contract, which I think ends next year. If you aren't aware, there's a whole movement with former Freo board and even former Freo players to basically get Woodside to stop sponsoring Freo since they're all against world climate change and stuff. But really, there's no significant change I see happening next year outside of the Indigenous Jumpers, which, by the way, are just always amazing, especially for Freo. Next question comes in from my sister. By the way, I was literally told by her to say this, so shout out to my sister, who I know is listening. Are you going to see Fife this Christmas, bro? I'll get back to that next year. Wink, wink. Next question from Lucas. I'm not even going to try and pronounce that last word, but Bra Improvers. Erasmus, best 22 next year. Definitely. I think Erasmus finished second in one of our time trials. Brayshaw won literally every single one of our time trials. That's not even a joke. We had four, and Brayshaw won all of them. I think I even said this a few weeks ago, but I definitely do think we'll start seeing Erasmus Bohr in the 22 next year. Unless injury plagues Matthew Johnson, we will definitely see Matthew Johnson debut next year. I'm sure of that. And finally, our final question from Rehan.Raffrey7731's favorite team aside of Freo. I've always had a second favorite team. Like, Freo is obviously going to be my number one favorite team, but I've always had a second and that's GWS. I don't know. There's just something about GWS. I've always been a really big fan of their list. 
And like, this is going way back to where they debuted in 2020 12, but I've always loved the potential they have on their list. And even now, I mean, Aaron Cadman's going to be a superstar. Like, seriously, North Melbourne, what were you thinking? But I'm also a really big fan of the new coach, Adam Kingsley. I don't know why, but he gives me these Craig McRae vibes being a successful VFL coach that's finally getting his opportunity at the big time. But I also, at the same time, just really love their senior core of superstars. I love the way Toby Green plays, Josh Kelly, Lockie Whitfield, and of course, arguably my favourite non-Freo defender, Sam Taylor, who I quite literally dreamed about the night before, and then proceeded to absolutely dominate Freo the day after. And yes, Sam Taylor is my favourite non-Freo key defender. And with all of that being said, that officially concludes this week's episode of the Big Deeks Podcast. I just want to thank, from the bottom of my heart, every single person that has listened to this podcast. I don't know how many times I've said this throughout the year, but your support means so much to me. 2022 has just been amazing from start to finish. I've had the privilege of being able to see this podcast grow over the last 12 months and even collaborate with others like the Flag Metal Podcast. And I seriously cannot wait for 2023 in both aspects of my content and my own personal life. 2023 is going to be the biggest year of my life. And I seriously just cannot wait to get started. So, with all that said and done, I've been your host, Ding and Duckworth, and you have been listening to the Big Digs Podcast. I'll see you next year. He's launched, he's got it online!